we are currently looking at the writings of Origen of Alexandria. While admired by many Christians of his day, some thought him to be a heretic because of his views about the pre-existence of human souls, allegorical interpretation of scripture, and eventual universal salvation. In the last part of our series, we looked at Oregon's declarations against heresy and heretics into Principius. We will now look at what is believed to be Oregon's most famous writing about heresy, against Celsus. Origen began writing against Celsus, contra Celsus, when a man named Ambrosius asked Origen to reply to charges Greek philosopher Celsus had made against Christians. The title of Celsus' critique of Christianity was the true word, a true discourse. That writing has been lost to history, but Origen responded directly to Celsus' main points. That helps us know something of the criticisms of the Greek philosopher and how Origen responded. We'll share several critiques and responses from Book I to give you an idea of how Origen addressed Celsus. Click on the links to the books to read all of Oregon's responses to Celsus. Against Celsus, Book I. Celsus' critique, Christians entered into secret associations with each other contrary to law. Origen response, and his wishes to bring into disrepute what are termed the love feasts of the Christians, as if they had their origin in the common danger, and were more binding than any oaths. Since, then, he babbles about the public law, alleging that the associations of the Christians are in violation of it, we have to reply, that if a man were placed among Scythians, whose laws were unholy, and having no opportunity of escape, were compelled to live among them, such an one would with good reason, for the sake of the law of truth, which the Scythians would regard as wickedness, enter into associations contrary to their laws, with those like-minded with himself. So, if truth is to decide, the laws of the heathens which relate to images, and an atheistical polytheism, are Scythian laws, or more impious even than these, if there be any such. It is not irrational, then, to form associations in opposition to existing laws, if done for the sake of the truth. For as those persons would do well who should enter into a secret association in order to put to death a tyrant who had seized upon the liberties of a state, so Christians also, when tyrannized over by him who is called the devil, and by falsehood, form leagues contrary to the laws of the devil, against his power, and for the safety of those others whom they may succeed in persuading to revolt from a government which is, as it were, Scythian and despotic. Chapter 1. Celsus' critique, the system of doctrine, viz. Judaism, upon which Christianity depends, was barbarous in its origin. And with an appearance of fairness, he does not reproach Christianity because of its origin among barbarians, but gives the latter credit for their ability in discovering, such, doctrines. To this, however, he adds the statement, that the Greeks are more skillful than any others in judging, establishing, and reducing to practice the discoveries of barbarous nations. Origen response, now this is our answer to his allegations, and our defense of the truths contained in Christianity, that if any one were to come from the study of Grecian opinions and usages to the gospel, he would not only decide that its doctrines were true, but would by practice establish their truth, and supply whatever seemed wanting, from a Grecian point of view, to their demonstration, and thus confirm the truth of Christianity. We have to say, moreover, that the gospel has a demonstration of its own, more divine than any established by Grecian dialectics. And this diviner method is called by the Apostle the manifestation of the Spirit and of power, of the Spirit, on account of the prophecies, which are sufficient to produce faith in any one who reads them, especially in those things which relate to Christ, and of power, because of the signs and wonders which we must believe to have been performed, both on many other grounds, and on this, that traces of them are still preserved among those who regulate their lives by the precepts of the Gospel. Chapter 2. Celsus' Critique let us notice also how he thinks to cast discredit upon our system of morals, alleging that it is only common to us with other philosophers, and no venerable or new branch of instruction. 
origin response, in reply to which we have to say, that unless all men had naturally impressed upon their minds sound ideas of morality, the doctrine of the punishment of sinners would have been excluded by those who bring upon themselves the righteous judgments of God. It is not therefore matter of surprise that the same God should have sown in the hearts of all men those truths which He taught by the prophets and the Saviour, in order that at the divine judgment every man may be without excuse, having the requirements of the law written upon his heart, a truth obscurely alluded to by the Bible in what the Greeks regard as a myth, where it represents God as having with His own finger written down the commandments, and given them to Moses, and which the wickedness of the worshippers of the calf made him break in pieces, as if the flood of wickedness, so to speak, had swept them away. But Moses having again hewn tables of stone, I God wrote the commandments a second time, and gave them to him, the prophetic word preparing the soul, as it were, after the first transgression, for the writing of God a second time. Chapter 4. Celsus Critique treating of the regulations respecting idolatry as being peculiar to Christianity, Celsus establishes their correctness, saying that the Christians do not consider those to be gods that are made with hands, on the ground that it is not in conformity with right reason, to suppose, that images, fashioned by the most worthless and depraved of workmen, and in many instances also provided by wicked men, can be, regarded as, gods. In what follows, however, wishing to show that this is a common opinion, and one not first discovered by Christianity, he quotes a saying of Heraclitus to this effect, that those who draw near to lifeless images, as if they were gods, act in a similar manner to those who would enter into conversation with houses. Origin response, respecting this, then, we have to say, that ideas were implanted in the minds of men like the principles of morality, from which not only Heraclitus, but any other Greek or barbarian, might by reflection have deduced the same conclusion, for he states that the Persians also were of the same opinion, quoting Herodotus as his authority. We also can add to the Zeno of Cedium, who in his polity, says, and there will be no need to build temples, for nothing ought to be regarded as sacred, or of much value, or holy, which is the work of builders and of mean men. It is evident, then, with respect to this opinion, as well as others, that there has been engraven upon the hearts of men by the finger of God a sense of the duty that is required. Chapter 5. Celsus Critique, after this, through the influence of some motive which is unknown to me, Celsus asserts that it is by the names of certain demons, and by the use of incantations, that the Christians appear to be possessed of, miraculous, power, hinting, I suppose, at the practices of those who expel evil spirits by incantations. Origin response, and here he manifestly appears to malign the gospel. For it is not by incantations that Christians seem to prevail, over evil spirits, but by the name of Jesus, accompanied by the announcement of the narratives which relate to him, for the repetition of these has frequently been the means of driving demons out of men, especially when those who repeated them did so in a sound and genuinely believing spirit. Such power, indeed, does the name of Jesus possess over evil spirits, that there have been instances where it was effectual, when it was pronounced even by bad men, which Jesus himself taught, would be the case, when he said, Many shall say to me in that day, In thy name we have cast out devils, and done many wonderful works. Whether Celsus omitted this from intentional malignity, or from ignorance, I do not know. And he next proceeds to bring a charge against the Saviour himself, alleging that it was by means of sorcery that he was able to accomplish the wonders which he performed, and that foreseeing that others would attain the same knowledge, and do the same things, making a boast of doing them by help of the power of God, he excludes such from his kingdom. And his accusation is, that if they are justly excluded, while he himself is guilty of the same practices, he is a wicked man, but if he is not guilty of wickedness in doing such things, neither are they who do the same as he. 
but even if it be impossible to show by what power Jesus wrought these miracles, it is clear that Christians employ no spells or incantations, but the simple, name of Jesus, and certain other words in which they repose faith, according to the Holy Scriptures. Chapter 6. Celsus' critique, it is with a certain eloquence, indeed, that he appears to advocate the cause of those who bear witness to the truth of Christianity by their death, in the following words, and I do not maintain that if a man, who has adopted a system of good doctrine, is to incur danger from men on that account, he should either apostatize, or feign apostasy, or openly deny his opinions. And he condemns those who, while holding the Christian views, either pretend that they do not, or deny them, saying that he who holds a certain opinion ought not to feign recantation, or publicly disown it. Origin response, and here Celsus must be convicted of self-contradiction. For from other treatises of his it is ascertained that he was an Epicurean, but here, because he thought that he could assail Christianity with better effect by not professing the opinions of Epicurus, he pretends that there is a something better in man than the earthly part of his nature, which is akin to God, and says that they in whom this element, viz., the soul, is in a healthy condition, are ever seeking after their kindred nature, meaning God, and are ever desiring to hear something about him, and to call it to remembrance. Observe now the insincerity of his character. Having said a little before, that the man who had embraced a system of good doctrine ought not, even if exposed to danger on that account from men, to disavow it, or pretend that he had done so, nor yet openly disown it, he now involves himself in all manner of contradictions. For he knew that if he acknowledged himself an Epicurean, he would not obtain any credit when accusing those who, in any degree, introduce the doctrine of providence, and who place a god over the world. And we have heard that there were two individuals of the name of Celsus, both of whom were Epicureans, the earlier of the two having lived in the time of Nero, but this one in that of Adrian, and later. Chapter 8. Celsus' Critique, but since Celsus has declared it to be a saying of many Christians, that the wisdom of this life is a bad thing, but that foolishness is good. Origin Response Dash, we have to answer that he slanders the gospel, not giving the words as they actually occur in the writings of Paul, where they run as follow, If any one among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may become wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The Apostle, therefore, does not say simply that wisdom is foolishness with God, but the wisdom of this world. And again, not, if anyone among you seemeth to be wise, let him become a fool universally, but, let him become a fool in this world, that he may become wise. We term, then, the wisdom of this world, every false system of philosophy, which, according to the Scriptures, is brought to naught, and we call foolishness good, not without restriction, but when a man becomes foolish as to this world. As if we were to say that the Platonist, who believes in the immortality of the soul, and in the doctrine of its metempsychosis, incurs the charge of folly with the Stoics, who discard this opinion, and with the Peripatetics, who babble about the subtleties of Plato, and with the Epicureans, who call it superstition to introduce a providence, and to place a god over all things. Chapter 13. Celsus' Critique after these statements, Celsus, from a secret desire to cast discredit upon the Mosaic account of the creation, which teaches that the world is not yet ten thousand years old, but very much under that, while concealing his wish, intimates his agreement with those who hold that the world is uncreated. 4. Maintaining that there have been, from all eternity, many conflagrations and many deluges, and that the flood which lately took place in the time of Deucalion is comparatively modern, he clearly demonstrates to those who are able to understand him, that, in his opinion, the world was uncreated. Origin response, but let this assailant of the Christian faith tell us by what arguments he was compelled to accept the statement that there have been many conflagrations and many cataclysms, and that the flood which occurred in the time of Deucalion, and the conflagration in that of Phaethon, were more recent than any others. 
and if he should put forward the dialogues of Plato, as evidence, on these subjects, we shall say to him that it is allowable for us also to believe that there resided in the pure and pious soul of Moses, who ascended above all created things, and united himself to the creator of the universe, and who made known divine things with far greater clearness than Plato, or those other wise men, who lived, among the Greeks and Romans, a spirit which was divine. And if he demands of us our reasons for such a belief, let him first give grounds for his own unsupported assertions, and then we shall show that this view of ours is the correct one. Chapter 19. Against Celsus, Book 2. Against Celsus, Book 3. Against Celsus, Book 4. Against Celsus, Book V. Against Celsus, Book 5. Against Celsus, Book 7. Against Celsus, Book 8. We invite you to join us soon for the next part in our special series about a reading plan for Christian apologists when we will look at writings of apologists in the 4th century.